Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you out there in listener land know everything that there is to know about Olympic hanging tin or Olympic cutbacks. I am Nancy. Uh, Your surfing know nothing at all, even though I've lived by an ocean for like a decade and a half now. <laughs> and I am joined by my co-hosts, uh, Rebecca and I Rachel. I also know nothing about surfing. Perfect. You also live by an ocean. Technically, yeah. <laughs> Although yeah, I don't you... think many people surf in the Atlantic, do they? I, uh, I think it depends on yeah. where. Yeah. Okay, carry on. <laughs> and Rachel, who's going to tell I us all about I know something surfing. about surfing. Not a lot. Hey, but you're up something. on us. Which makes you Take the de away, facto Rachel. expert. All right. Okay. So, uh, as I think we've mentioned before, uh, this is the first time that surfing is going to be featured at the Olympics. Uh, so I will give you a brief uh, background on the sport. Uh, first of all, uh, you probably already know or have figured out it is uh, an ancient sport of the Polynesian Islands. Um, it's thought to have been created by na- by native Hawaiians. Uh, other Polynesian cultures had belly boards, but it's thought that uh, the first humans stood upon those boards and surfed upright in the Hawaiian Islands. So it was kind of popularized throughout the, the rest of the U.S. by a guy named uh, Duke Kahanamoku in Hawaii. And if you've ever been to Hawaii, you've probably seen there's a ton of stuff named Dukes, and uh, that's uh, a reference to him. Uh, he was himself an Olympic triple gold medalist swimmer in uh, 1912 Stockholm oh, oh wow. and 1920 Antwerp. And uh, when he was accepting one of those gold medals, he mentioned that he hoped one day surfing would be an Olympic sport. Oh. Yes. Um, and now it is. So it, it took a while. I assume he's dead now? But yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Quite a while ago. Um, okay. So I looked up a little bit about what a sport needs to uh, become a an Olympic sport. And uh, so this... Criteria was a sport needs to be widely practiced by men in at least 75 countries and on four continents and by women in no fewer than 40 countries on three continents before it can be considered for an Olympics event. So that was uh, kind of the uh, the restriction for a while that because uh, surfing is so incredibly regional for obvious reasons, uh-huh. uh, it is not practiced everywhere in the world. Um, additionally... The last two IOC presidents were not big on adding new sports. Mm. So from 1980 to 2013, uh, there was no really talk of, of adding many new sports, which why there hasn't been for the past few Olympics. And then the new guy took over in 2013, was kind of planning for the 2020 Olympics. And so that's why we get five new ones all at the same time. Wait, I have a question. Uh-huh. Hmm. Are we to believe then that old white men don't like change? <laughs> I mean... You know, I'm not prepared to say that on this one data point, but I think uh, we could I think it adds to the... We could infer? Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, because some, some people really hope to get it in for the 2000 uh, Sydney Olympics. Mm, because, oh, that would make a ton of sense. Yes, uh, but that didn't happen because it was uh, supposedly not widespread enough yet. Anyway, hmm. uh, supposedly surfing has become more popular during the pandemic found one statistic saying of the more than 120 120 sports monitored by the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, surfing had the second highest growth rate of any sport in the U.S. last year. I mean, I guess it is outdoors and not in crowds. Yes, that was the the rationale behind it. All right. Something you can do by yourself outdoors. Sharks don't carry coronavirus. Okay. Knock wood. Um, (laughs) 
And interestingly, apparently the uh, Hawaiian sovereignty movement made a, an ultimately unsuccessful push for a Hawaiian Olympic team to compete on its own under a Hawaiian Olympic flag. Wow. When was yeah. this? Um, over the past few years. Um, but there are two U.S. surfers who were born and raised in Hawaii who um, compete in the World Surfing League, specifically under a Hawaiian flag. That's amazing. Really cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I know this is an aside, but have you guys been to Hawaii? Mm-hmm. No. It it feels like a different country. Oh, yeah. It does not yeah. feel like America. <laughs> like, it's very clearly something that we just, like, plopped a flag in and we're like, this is ours now. <laughs> so I kind of get it. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, competition in Japan is going to be on an open ocean, not on a wave pool. Uh, which makes for a lot of uncontrollable variables. Um, they can't yeah, even really. really have a strict schedule because so much Mm-mm. depends on the waves. Mm-hmm. So uh, I read the competition schedule is subjected to change depending on the wave conditions. If conditions allow, the competition can be completed in four days, but it is possible that more time could be required. Because of this, mm-hmm. the actual competition days for the surfing events will be held with four days scheduled during the Olympic Surfing Festival from the 25th July to 1st of August. So it could go as short as the 25th of July through the 28th, or it could go all the way to the 1st of August. Okay. Or, I don't know, potentially beyond if, if conditions don't... Improve. Improve, yeah. That's so interesting. And must yeah. be so, like, kind of stressful for the organizers. Yeah. Which I was thinking, you know, because there are international surfing competitions all the time, so I'm mm-hmm. sure these problems have been figured out by people who have been doing this for quite a while. But mm-hmm. it does have to be, you know people working specifically on the olympics a little bit uh nerve-wracking yeah well and i feel like there are certainly places where you can go surf where like it's very predictable that you will have good waves mm-hmm. for you know x number of weeks per year yes. i don't know if japan is one of those um so know? this this particular beach has hosted surfing competitions before okay um, it's not one of the you know big well-known sites mm-hmm. like the the pipeline and and oahu or Mm -hmm. anything like that but it has hosted Mm -hmm. competitions before um the it's called uh surigasaki beach and supposedly the waves are and this is a direct quote short and funky (laughs) so we'll see how that goes uh some competitors did want a wave pool for uh consistency or equality's sake um especially because Mm -hmm. you know the olympics are every four years so a lot of people aren't going to get a chance for another four years. Uh, but the decision was made back in 2015 that it would have to be on the open ocean. And apparently artificial wave technology has uh, come along in leaps and bounds since 2015. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if they have it again in 2024, maybe it would make sense to do it in an artificial Well, uh, I'll get to that. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, so for this particular competition, uh, how it's going to go, there are uh, 20 men and 20, men, 20 women competing in... Uh, separate events uh it's well one event but one per gender mm-hmm. um it's going to be short boards only uh the mm. surfing can be done on a short board or a long board short board being less than about seven feet it's uh, got a more pointed nose it's more lightweight and more maneuverable um so there will be uh three overall preliminary rounds first will be four surfers at a time then five surfers at a time then just one-on-one Okay, so, did you get a sense of how, like, four surfers work at one time? Well, what do, what do you mean? Well, like, how can... Like, when you say four at a time, I'm picturing right. four people out on boards yep. at the same time. Yep. Like, I don't, I don't conceptually understand how that works. 
Because like there are only so many catch waves. The same wave. Well, no, like... it's only one surfer per wave. The rounds oh, are like okay. between twenty and thirty minutes long. Um, let's so does see. does anybody get like? Is there an order? Do they line up one, two, three, four, and then the first person gets the first wave, or do they get to? Choose the wave well, and whoever gets their first win. So apparently, uh, they're going to buy the rules of surfing etiquette, I heard, mm. um, which determines who has right of way, who is, is closest to like the, the peak swell of the wave. Um, I may not be getting that terminology correct, but so I that guess that's good. part of the competition. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. And uh, this, this researching this was a little bit frustrating because I read about seven to eight different articles saying all you need to know about the surfing competition and none of them, I guarantee you, gave me all that I needed to know <laughs> because I had to consult many different ones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not really sure exactly how this is going to work, but again, you know, surfing competitions are a thing that people sure. have been doing, so um, I didn't find an article that really spelled out exactly what it would look like, but... Uh, they probably assume that if you're watching a surfing, surfing competition, you know that. Yeah. Um, so there will be so three preliminary rounds and then three final rounds, 30 minute heats to get as many waves as possible. And you get a score for each wave that you surf. Uh, there are five judging criteria, a degree of difficulty, innovation, variety, the combination of maneuvers and speed and power, which I guess is just one. Um, Scores are given on a scale of 1 to 10 with two decimal places, so like 7.92. The two highest scores are combined to come up with your total points for each wave. Uh, only one surfer per wave, and points may be deducted for failing to follow surfing etiquette. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, so next next episode, are you going to have the unwritten rules of surfing? I mean, <laughs> I did think about that, yeah. Apparently there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Um so I couldn't find much on like what techniques earn what points um, and what you you might see, but there's a few things that, that are pretty common on shortboards. Um, cutbacks, which is uh, changing direction while you're on the wave. Mm. Uh, aerials, obviously jumping up in the air with or without rotation. Um, flips and various grabs of the board. I don't know if this is going to be similar to... The only thing that I can compare it to that I've seen personally is snowboarding. So um, I don't know if it's going to look a little bit like that. Um, anyone who's listening who has seen a surf competition, I may sound like an idiot. Uh, we'll find out. Okay. Just, so as just far... tweet Rachel specifically. No, at... no, do not tweet Rachel specifically. <laughs> Rachel's going to watch and learn as she watches. Okay. So who to watch for? You may guess USA and Australia have typically dominated international competitions for obvious reasons, Mm -hmm. i.e. coastline. Um, But Brazil is on the rise, apparently. That Um, makes sense. Supposedly, the surfing conditions in Japan favor the, quote, gravity-defying aerial maneuvers, unquote, of Brazilian men. Uh, Brazilian men like like to jump, I suppose. (laughs) We shall see. I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, each country can have a maximum of four representatives, uh, two women and two men. And, of course, U.S., Australia, Brazil, uh, maybe Japan, you know, all have four. So it's 40 so- total surfers representing 17 countries. Uh, so as for the men to look for, uh, Brazil's Gabriel Medina is a uh, particular favorite. Japan's Kanoa Igara- uh, Igarashi, who is... Uh, Californian has dual citizenship, is surfing for Japan. Oh, fun. 
and USA's John John Florence, which that's a surfer name if I've ever heard one. His name is John John? John John. Yep. Sure. Okay. Uh, For women, look for Australia's Stephanie Gilmore and USA's Carissa Moore. Okay. All right. So uh, I will bring it back to uh, the 2024 Olympics, which Nancy had mentioned, which are going to be held in Paris. Uh, Not known for its surfing, but um, the, so the competition for the Paris games is going to be held at Teohuapo, uh, which is a beautiful and powerful and terrifyingly shallow reef break on the French island of Tahiti that has hosted some of the most spectacular surf competitions of all time. So this is, this is one of the big uh, surf spots of the world Mm -hmm. is this place in Tahiti. So uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, this competition and how it compares to what's coming in 2024. That's super interesting just logistically, too, to do, like, the Olympics literally on the other side of the globe from the Olympics. Like, Yeah. yeah. And I didn't look into this too much, if that if this is something that has been done before. Um, you know, particularly maybe when the summer and the winter Olympics were held mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, so I put literally no research into that. But uh, I think we can all uh, think about that and look it up on our own time. <laughs> yeah, because just, I'm just thinking about, like, the athlete experience, you Yeah, know? Like, you're going to the Olympics for your but one not. sport with, like, 30 other people in this one place, you know? Like, yeah, uh, do you I guess go it to would the just... opening ceremony in right. Paris and then fly and to then Tahiti fly to and Tahiti. then maybe back? I don't know. I mean, I kind of hope so, but, but, I mean, I guess it would just feel like another surfing competition because i'm sure you'd still get crowds to go like watch the olympic surfing yeah you know but i don't know that's just an interesting dichotomy i guess yeah and it is a smaller number of competitors so you could you know fit mm-hmm. them all on one plane <laughs> well i mean well, I guess you know, they've got staff and and they yeah. probably all know each other too oh, i'm, I'm sure, sure they must. it's yeah. such yeah. a small international community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well cool well any final thoughts rachel or final questions from rebecca I don't think I, I have anything. I mean, I still have a lot of questions, but I think they <laughs> need to be answered by actually watching the event. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, thank you for informing us uh, about surfing, Olympic surfing in uh, 2020. Our new, one of our five new sports that we are trying out uh, as part of the 2020, in quotes, Summer Olympics uh, upcoming in july 2021 yes can i put you on the spot and ask you to remind me what the five new sports are me yeah yeah uh sure (laughs) karate surfing climbing skateboarding oh shoot um it's in my notes hang on (laughs) it's not bungee jumping sorry baseball softball oh no i don't think that's one of them but baseball's not new because well, it's been... returning. Oh, okay. Okay. It, it still counted. Okay. It was counted as one of the new okay. sports for 2020. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's them. Well, thank you, Rachel, for teaching us about surfing. I will say there is a very nice little uh, surf museum, history of surfing museum in Santa Cruz on the one which I have stopped in and it's very cute and it has lots of old photos of, you know, guys in the 20s and 30s with these giant that they put on the ocean and it's actually a really cute little museum so we should go there sometime 
All right. Well, this has been a Foul Puck Olympic Primer. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at uh, Foul Puck Pod on Twitter, uh, Foul Puck Podcast on Instagram, and at foulpuckpodcast.net on the interwebs. We would like to thank Joe for doing her absolute best to make us sound not terrible. Uh, and also uh, Kevin McLeod at, what is it, incompetech.org.com. Dot com, incompetech.com, uh, for giving us our theme music. And tune in again. We're going to have a bunch more of these little Olympic primers where we are learning as much as you are. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye.